You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Jogemeyer. Today's episode is brought to you by the Locked On Ultimate Season Preview. The NFL season is about to begin, and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview is taking you through every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's lineup of NFL experts. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast to tune in beginning August 30th. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start covering the Chargers and doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, for five seasons. I also write for the LA Football Network. And this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys, and welcome into the show today. Appreciate those who are checking out the show for the first time. We really appreciate it. And to make sure you never miss a show, make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. But, David, I'm so excited because we have another game to talk about. And even though the Chargers lost 15-10 to against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday... We still got a lot of takeaways from that. So to start the show today, we'll talk about the matchup everyone was talking about. Easton Stick versus Chase Daniel. It did look like a better game for Easton Stick. Chase Daniel was working with some pretty bad circumstances, I would say, out there. But we'll talk about both of those guys and kind of update the backup quarterback battle. And also just talk about the defense making some big plays. Asante Samuel Jr. getting an interception. The Chargers forcing three turnovers was a big storyline in this game as well. And then in segment two, we'll highlight the other big winners from the preseason game two against the 49ers. And then to wrap up the show, we'll talk about some guys whose stock did not go up on Sunday. Someone like Trey Pipkins, for example, had a very, very tough game. So we'll get into that and the rest of what went wrong in Sunday's matchup at the end of the show. But let's go ahead and get into it. The Chargers lost 15 to 10 on Sunday against the 49ers, ending their undefeated streak in the preseason. The dream is over. They will not go 3-0, but... We don't really care about that, obviously. There were some things that we definitely did care about, David, and one of the things that was most talked about about this game, even though I don't think it's as big of a deal as everyone thinks it maybe is, was the battle between Chase Daniel and Easton Stick. And we have to start with Easton Stick because he did look pretty impressive in the first game, but was very conservative, didn't make a lot of high-risk throws, but ended up you know, completing 7 out of 7 passes. He follows it up by getting a start in this game, going 10 out of 14 for 85 yards, also has the touchdown with no interceptions, but I still thought it was somewhat of an uneven performance. I mean, you still saw some balls getting batted down. He gets the intentional grounding, but would have gotten sacked anyways. There were still some things I wasn't impressed with, but you had to like the touchdown, David, to Josh Palmer, buying time, buying time, pump faking, rolling to the right in the red zone, finding Josh Palmer in the back of the end zone, and also him taking a shot down the field in finding Jalen Guyton for a 38-yard gain. So I didn't think that this performance was perfect, but I do think it was a good performance by Stick. Well, it's definitely a step in the right direction, Daniel. I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see him go out there and manage the game. You want to see him push the ball down the field a little bit, and he did that. Uh, that's definitely encouraging, and you know you always want to get in the end zone anytime you have an opportunity to go out there and get on the football field, and he was able to do that. You see him extend the play, use that athleticism, roll out to the right, and at the last second before he goes out of bounds, he finds a wide-open Josh Palmer in the back of the end zone for a touchdown, and 
that's definitely something that's very encouraging, not only for Josh Palmer, but for Easton Stick. So a good performance out there. I mean, not great. Uh, like you, I mean, I still think there's some things to work on, um, but it's encouraging. It's a step in the right direction for Easton Stick. Yeah, and I mean, much more good than bad. I mean, I think he has improved in some ways. I still think that there's times where he still wants to pull the trigger too quick as far as running, right? Even when potentially he could wait a little bit longer and find something else. He does want to tuck it and run a little quicker than I would like, but did have a few nice scrambles. And I thought overall played well. I mean, he still has a backup quarterback. It is the preseason, but there were some starters out there for the 49ers in the first half. So besides the batted down balls, besides, you know, a couple of bad decisions, maybe on some sacks that could have been avoided. I thought Easton Stick had a fine game. The same cannot be said about Chase Daniel, who had a really tough game, right? I mean, Easton Stick had about 6.1 yards per attempt, which isn't great. But you compare to Chase Daniel's yards per attempt, which are about two and a half, it seems like he was a world beater in this game. And Chase Daniel had a tough night, David. I mean, there's no other way to kind of get around that. He was dealing with a lot. It seemed like the entire game he was kind of trying to get everyone lined up going in the right direction. Did get multiple chances to kind of bring the Chargers back to a win and end things on a positive note. But, I mean, it was a rough night. And he even got T-Billy smoked one time on a pass into the flats where he just kind of floated one out there just to get it out of his hands and then set him up for a really, really big hit. It was just tough all around, I thought, for Chase Daniel. Well, after the first performance in the first game where you see Chase Daniel make a lot of really high percentage throws and get the ball out of his hands quickly and throw with some accuracy, we did not see that in tonight's game. Chase Daniel was throwing the ball behind receivers, was not very accurate. He looked like he was very frustrated. It was all over his face. And yeah, he was dealing with a lot out there, but it was not a very good performance from Chase Daniel. He Went out there, had a bad series, and he let that affect him throughout the game. I I know there was a lot of elements that were working against him, but this was not a great performance by Chase Daniel. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it's hard because, like, he had a really bad interception over the middle trying to find K.J. Hill. If K.J. Hill was potentially breaking the other direction, maybe the throw makes more sense, right? But you don't necessarily know where he thought that guy was going to go. Same thing with a throw to Tyron Johnson on third down. It just didn't seem like he was on the same page with his receivers. And those little short passes and things like that are really nice when the offense is clicking and when you're moving the chains and things like that. The Chargers had no rhythm there because some running plays were getting blown up. I mean, really the entire second half setting up really bad downs and distances. And there was just a lot going against him. Brandon Staley in the press conference was basically saying, hey, Chase Daniel was back there with a not great offensive line in front of him. And he had to deal with them a lot. And I respect him for him going out there and playing the way he did and kind of gritting his way through that. But wasn't a good performance. I mean, there's just no way you can take that away from it. That being said, if the Chargers were still to only keep one quarterback, I still think they'd lead and chase Daniel. I mean, they didn't bring him in there hoping he would be playing a lot. I think he still does enough with the starting offensive line to manage a game if he had to. Either way, I talked about it before. Do you want a Jeff Garcia type who's going to come in and gunsling and run around like Easton Stick? I kind of do in some way, right? Give you a chance to win a game potentially. But Easton Stick wasn't great in this game. Chase Daniel wasn't great in this game. Stick was obviously better, though. Either way, another good thing. Another good thing I think we could take away, David, and one of the storylines with this game was the takeaways. Asante Samuel Jr. gets his first interception of the preseason, ends up bouncing off the hands of a receiver because it was a high throw by Jimmy G on a third and long. He is opportunistic, makes the play, 
gets his first interception and ends up taking his helmet off and getting a penalty, which is a dumb penalty, but either way, I'll allow it. Tavon Campbell gets an interception, and the Chargers recover a fumble on a botched snap by the 49ers in the second half. Either way, this is something that has plagued the Chargers not getting those takeaways, and even though it was some balls bouncing off receivers' hands and things like that, you got to be opportunistic, and the Chargers were on Sunday against the 49ers. Well, and like we were talking before we started recording, the Chargers have been in those situations where they've been in positions to get interceptions just to see those balls fall to the grass. And now the Chargers are converting more of those opportunities. They get two interceptions. They pick up a ball off of the ground. That's three takeaways. That's three more offensive possessions for your offense. That is game-changing. In the regular season, the Chargers need that as much as they can get it. Last few seasons, they have not taken the ball away very much. They haven't gotten very many sacks. The interceptions have been really down. That's just got to change. And it, I think this with this new aggressive scheme that Brandon Staley is bringing to the table, you can see that these guys are in position to make plays on the ball, and that's what you want. And I think that's going to turn into more interceptions and more turnovers during the regular season. Yeah, and Tavon Campbell almost had another one. Amen Ogbogmamiga, who actually got injured in this game and sprained an AC joint, actually almost had an interception himself. So the Chargers were around the football. They were ripping away at the football when they were going in for tackles and things like that. But I want to get into the good and bad from this game and the rest of the players who stood out and position groups and just things that stood out from Sunday's game against the 49ers. So coming up next, we're going to get into the good. Talk about guys like Forrest Merrill showing up again, Nick Neiman having a good game, Kyler Fackrell, and so much more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that it's that time of year again and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the grand to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this year. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the online's biggest half-million-dollar mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. All you have to do is head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 100% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's free money, guys. 100% welcome bonus when you guys go and sign up today. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get your money matched 100% at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, David, well, we talked about the big quarterback battle going on in the Chargers, finding a way to turn the ball over and some defenders making plays. I mean, that's what you need is to have those guys and somebody just go make a play for you. But Asante Samuel Jr., Tavon Campbell, were not the only guys making plays out there. And I think when you're looking at the players who stood out on Sunday against the 49ers, I thought there was more positive on the defensive side. And I think a lot of that has to do with the Chargers offense stunk it up on Sunday. I think it was 26 yards per play they averaged on Sunday a lot of that was due to the offensive line but there were good things and I thought that Nick Neiman David after leading the team in tackles put together another strong performance as a rookie sixth round linebacker by coming back and having even more tackles this week and leading the team again it's really nice to watch him out there Daniel he looks really athletic he looks really fast 
He looks very decisive. He looks like he's able to diagnose the play and shoot the gap and make the tackle. Didn't seem like when he went in there for a tackle that he got or he let the ball carrier away very many times. You seem like when he was hitting you, he was bringing you to the ground. So that was very encouraging. And that athleticism really just popped out for me. Really enjoyed watching Nick Neiman out there. Yeah, and he did have one play that we have to talk about, too, where it did seem like he kind of got caught staring into the backfield and Trey Lance ended up throwing a touchdown in between him and Mark Webb. And it looked like Mark Webb was kind of saying, hey, you should have been over there. And what had happened was they had motioned the 49ers did, which pushed Tavon Campbell wider into the formation. And he was yelling at basically Nick Neiman, Mark Webb, like, hey, you guys have this guy now. Nick Neiman didn't end up seeing him and he ends up kind of just in a soft spot on the defense right there. But you're right. I mean, he comes in on a blitz. Ends up getting a really nice tackle for loss on third down, which gets the Chargers the ball back. Ended up just really flying around on the play where Mark Webb actually missed a huge tackle on the sideline on a big gain at the end of the first half. Terrible two-minute defense by the Chargers. Mark Webb has to make that play there, and a lot of players had good and bad like Mark Webb, who forced a fourth down earlier on the drive, but then ends up coming up and missing a guy on the sideline when really he just has to get him out of bounds, kind of totally whiffs. Nick Neiman, the linebacker, chased the guy down from behind and saved a touchdown, which they would end up eventually getting. But on that play, he kept the Chargers' defense alive. I really liked that from him. Kyler Fackrell, David, was another guy who I thought had a pretty strong game as well. Yeah, it was a guy definitely on my list as well. I mean, it was really good to see him getting after the quarterback. It seemed like he was getting some consistent pressure when he was in the game. He got a sack, which was uh, really nice. He followed the quarterback to the right, uh, the, to the left side, and kind of threw him down to finish the sack. And I don't know, Daniel. It kind of seems like he might be taking Uchenin Wosu's snaps opposite of Joey Bosa. I mean, it might be a little too early to say that, but. From what I'm seeing, I think that Kyler Fackrell went out there and played better than Uchenna did in this game. Yeah, and both of them played a decent amount. I mean, Uchenna definitely wasn't as pronounced as Kyler Fackrell was. Besides that, he also got three quarterback hits. I've seen really good discipline from him. That's twice in two weeks where the quarterback kind of tries a little rollout after a play action, and he's not fooled by it, and he's right there to force an incomplete pass. That's something that you love to see from Kyler Fackrell, and Him getting the quarterback hits was really nice to see. Him just making an impact in the game and being a solid player, I thought he showed again on Sunday. The arrow is definitely pointing up for him. Probably too soon to say on Ochenna and Wosu. We'll see how much he plays in week three of the preseason next week. But now it's time to talk about my boy Forrest Merrill, who I was impressed with again on Sunday. He got some snaps early on with, you know, the Christian Covingtons and the Cortez Broughtons and Braden Fejokos and... I thought he was fine, but there was a stretch down later on in the game, we're talking third and fourth quarter, where he was one of the Chargers' most impressive defenders and another guy who's just standing out again as a guy who doesn't make a lot of sense behind Limbaugh Joseph and Christian Covington if they're running a true nose tackle. But a lot of times today, they had the beef on the interior, you know, Christian Covington and Forrest Merrill out there with two edge rushers outside of them in a four-man front. These are the plays I really loved. I mean, first of all, just one play where he ends up getting a tackle for about two yards, gets the run stuff, but they tried to blow him off the line of scrimmage and they just couldn't. I mean, his anchor was too good. He was just an immovable object. Also had a play where they ended up calling a false start on the 49ers, but he gave another six swim move to the center, kind of like he did last week in the red zone and would have absolutely blown up the running back and has just had hustle plays all over the field. 
David, I love what I saw from Forrest Merrill. I hope he did enough to keep getting consideration going forward. I love his engine. I just love the fact that he just does not quit, man. When he's out there, he's giving it 110%, and he knows that he's really trying to earn this spot on the roster, One of the probably one of the last spots available. But he's doing everything in his power to do that. He's making the most of his snaps, and that's what he has to do. I mean... I love his low center of gravity. I love the fact that he can, you know, really put a move on. But for me, it's just the endless motor that I think is invaluable to have on the defensive line. Yeah, there was a play where Ben DeLuca ended up getting a nice tackle, ended up getting reviewed on the sideline, and ended up bringing up a fourth down, I believe, where Forrest Merrill was chasing the play down from behind. And there's no reason, you know, your nose tackle at 320 pounds should be chasing a guy down on the sideline and he didn't get there but like at one point he also decided oh, i'm just gonna blow up this lineman anyways even though i'm probably not gonna make it to the play even though yeah you shouldn't cheap shot people and you know he didn't like the guy up helmet to helmet or anything you kind of need some of those dudes in your huddle to go do There's that some nastiness right? yeah like the chargers have lacked nastiness on the interior for a long time he brings that even on the fumble recovery so it seemed like nothing and nobody was grabbing the ball right away. And Forrest Merrill, I don't even think, knew the ball was right underneath him. But what he did do is drive the center back a little bit into the quarterback. So when the quarterback dropped down to try to grab it, he couldn't because the center was right on top of him. And it ended up letting Cole Christensen get in there to get it. But I just have loved the way this guy's played. And I think he is impressive. And I think he so far has shown that he deserves a spot on this roster in the preseason games. He's just been a bowling ball out there. He While we're talking about defensive it. line, man, one person who kind of stuck out to me a little bit was Cortez Broughton. I thought that he got some pressure, and he got in on a couple of plays throughout this game, which he's going to need to to do if he wants to stay around in this deal in this D line competition. Yeah, I thought a lot of guys flashed. I mean, Joe Gaziano flashed a couple times, but also got driven off the ball a couple times. Braden Fajoko had a nice play, but not a really long, consistent success. And I would say the same thing with Cortez Broughton. He did have the one. I love that he went for the strip on Trey Lance. Still have to secure the sack, but I love this team's attention to, hey, we're going for the football. We're not just going for sacks, right? So Cortez Braun's another guy who is really fighting for a roster spot still. I thought the interior defensive line had some moments, but they still had some times where they got pushed around a little bit in the running game. How about Michael Badgley hitting a 50-yard field goal, hey? I mean, I know it's the the only one that we got to see, but... He actually lined it up and he hit it right through the uprights. It was perfect. There was absolutely no doubt about it. And uh, we didn't get, a, we didn't see very many opportunities. There's only one, but he made the most of it. He hit a 50 yarder. That's what he struggled with in the past. So it's good to see him nail it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is the thing about it. For Michael Badgley, that was a huge kick. You go out there from 50 yards at the end of the first half, right under two minutes. And you end up making a 50-yard field goal, which you have historically struggled with. I mean, yes, it's not a 55-yarder, but that's just parsing the details. I mean, he had to hit it, and he did. Does it make my confidence any higher in the Chargers kicking situation? I would no. say maybe marginally, but like the smallest amount. Like It doesn't make me feel any better about just going into it because of all the misses we had seen from him beforehand. So I think for him, as far as the battle, it is a big step. It was the only field goal in the game like you talked about, so we didn't really get to see any more than that. But it's hard to say that that made a huge difference in the battle overall, but it's definitely a good thing for Michael Badgley and maybe keeps him alive. But I thought there was a lot of good performances on the defensive side and a lot of up-and-down performances too, which don't really fit, right? Mark Webb 
has a good, I mean, crushing hit, which probably should have been a penalty. Gets a play on third down. Needs to wrap up, but I thought he had some okay plays. Tavon Campbell gets an interception, almost gets another one, but then gets beat by Travis Benjamin for a touchdown. Also has a play where the ball bounces off Debo Samuel's hands on a play that he had Tavon Campbell beat. So a lot of good and bad as well, but that's what you're going to get from a lot of these young players and rookies especially. But there were certain parts of the game that it's hard to argue were anything other than bad. So we're going to get into Trey Pipkins, the backup offensive one, and the rest of the bad from Sunday coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about my favorite protein bar, and you know that I'm talking about Built Bars. Built Bar, I just love because, first of all, it tastes great. And I think that's one of the things that most, you know, when I hear about protein bars, don't talk about enough is just something that actually tastes great. I know it has to be great for you, and Built Bars are as well. I mean, most of the bars have about 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only about 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. But... That doesn't mean anything if it tastes like cardboard, right? So that's one of the things I love most about Bilt Bar is that they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And there's so many different flavors to choose from. You can go with my favorite peanut butter brownie. Cookies and cream is another great flavor too, but they have so many. Mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel. You're going to find a bar that you like over at Bilt Bar. And right now we can even save you guys some money because if you go to BiltBar.com right now, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all caps, one word for 15% off at BiltBar.com. I also need to tell you guys about RockAuto.com, which is the only place that I ever go for any of my auto part needs. Having something go wrong with your car is one of the most frustrating experiences that you can have. It never happens at a good time. You never have the money to go get something extra. So you really can't afford to be spending time just going from storefront to storefront that aren't going to have the inventory and stock that you need and are also going to try to sell you the parts from the certain manufacturers that are they're going to benefit most from, right? Instead, use rockauto.com because I don't even know a lot about cars, but I've used it several times now. I go to rockauto.com, I type the type of car that I have, and in a few easy clicks, I'm looking at all the parts that I need, and best of all, I'm getting them for the best price because whether you're a mechanic or a daily driver, Everyone gets the same price at rockauto.com. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. All right, David, well, we talked about some of the biggest things that happened in Sunday's game against the Niners. We also talked about some of the big winners, and I think there were some big winners on the defensive side especially, but... There was also some big losers, and I think that when you have a game offensively that looked like the one you saw on Sunday with the 49ers, it's easy to say that some things offensively didn't go right. And it's hard to tell, you know, is it the receiver's fault for not getting open? Is it the quarterback's fault for making the wrong decisions? Or is it just the offensive line that is so terrible that it's impossible to operate the offense in any real capacity? And I think there's an argument for each thing, but you have to start, David, with the backup offensive line. And for me, I had Trey Pipkins in particular because gives up a sack for a safety, has another holding call against him that cost the Chargers in the red zone, makes it a second and 19. Also just has plays where he's just getting beaten in the preseason and not always by starters. So I hate to drag players and I don't like to just drag players, but at a certain point, if you're the next guy up and you're Trey Pipkins, that's a scary thought, I think, for most Charger fans, especially after seeing that performance. Yeah, it does not instill any type of confidence that if and when somebody gets hurt on the starting offensive line and you are forced to put Trey Pipkins in there, 
that you can feel confident that he's going to be able to play adequate, adequately after this performance. And it's just been this performance compounding on top of all the other performances that we've seen from Trey Pipkins. Unfortunately, I think it's time to cut our bait with Trey Pipkins. I think he is who we thought he is. Uh, and I think it's time to let him go when cuts happen. And I think that's one of the first positions that I'm going to be looking at if I'm the Chargers for guys who get cut from other teams, especially when they go down to 53. If a, a, a quality tackle, a quality swing tackle is out there that's available, I think the Chargers absolutely should be ready to pounce. Yeah, I mean, it seems like one of the bigger needs now, right through two weeks of the preseason. Storm Norton wasn't great either, but I thought comparatively he was better than Trey Pipkins. And I don't want to just pin it even on those two guys because there was a lot of people that struggled with the Chargers kind of second and third string offensive line. There was a lot of mixing and matching. A lot of guys, you know, potentially not knowing the right assignments in the blocking game definitely seemed like there was some disconnect with the offensive line. But Brendan Hymas had some tough moments. Scott Questenberry had some tough moments. Any of money who came in after that, guys like Ryan Hunter, had some bad moments. I mean, there was just not a lot that went right for the backup offensive line. I thought Matt Filer looked good. I thought Ode Abushi had a really bad penalty, but kind of just looked whatever to me. Either way, David, the offensive line, not a good spot in this game for the Chargers. It looks really shallow right now, and I think Brandon Hyman still had a lot of good moments too. I thought there were some things you could take out of it positively, but overall, I thought it killed the running game which you have, you know, Larry Roundtree after a strong start. Yeah, he ends up going 8 for 12. And it ends up killing someone like Josh Kelly, right? I mean, who maybe didn't look the most impressive either way, but seven carries for nine yards. I mean, when your offensive line is like that, it's going to affect the quarterback. It's going to affect the running backs too. It makes it kind of just seem like everybody had a bad game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at the stats, and it sure it surely looks that way. But, I mean, if there's no holes to run through, then these guys, it's going to make – it really difficult for these these guys to get any forward momentum and I mean I think Larry Roundtree had a couple of decent runs in the beginning when you know the first string or what what represented the first string offensive line was out there for the Chargers and after that it just got progressively worse and worse and that I mean pretty much throughout the game they did not find very much traction at all so none of the running backs had a good game and I think that's another place to, to look at as far as something that went very wrong. They just could not get any traction on the ground, which I think affected the play calling, Get got them in some really bad down and distances where they were in third and long a lot. And uh, like I said, it just really made the offense look very, very bad. So the running game needs to improve. And obviously by proxy, the offensive line needs to improve as well. Yeah, and another thing that probably could have been a little better this week is the special teams again. I thought that like there was guys who had moments, you know, Michael Bandy had a good punt return at one point, but for the most part, it wasn't great. I mean, I, at this point, KJ Hill, after making another questionable decision, ends up taking a punt inside the 10 yard line, which potentially could have bounced him for a touchback. He ends up taking it and only getting three yards, pinning the offense back. Not a great decision there. Jalen Guyton looked better. Michael no more Bandy KJ looked Hill, better. please. No, no more. No it's more. It's just hard to see the upside. Yeah, he just he doesn't have any wiggle, Daniel. He doesn't have any burst or crazy acceleration. We didn't see that as a wide receiver. We definitely don't see it as a punt returner. I'm I'm done with KJ Hill as a punt returner. That definitely needs to stop. Yeah, and Jalen Guyton, I mean, is another one where it's like, it's hard to say I would trust his hands back there full time. At least he's but got I, speed, though. 
that's the thing. At least there's something where you're like, okay, well, if he breaks it, though, he breaks it and he's yeah. gone, right? So I think that's one thing I can understand with KJ Hill. You're just not getting either. You're getting a guy who did muff one punt, but has looked pretty solid back there so far, at least handling it. But decision-making, I don't think, has been great. He also did kick return at one point too today. Didn't look great there. I don't really need to see just a safe guy. I would hope there was someone that brings something a little bit more to the table because we just haven't seen him do anything in a positive manner. And then coverage-wise, they allowed 18 yards per punt return. A lot of that was boosted by one big punt return, but also allowed a 12-yard return to Travis Benjamin. Don't get me started on Travis Benjamin, David. Of course, he in the second half as a longtime veteran in the NFL is torching the Chargers. Tavon Campbell torched Brandon Faison on a third down. Getting punt returns, I at one point put out from the account, like, if Travis Benjamin would have taken that punt back for a touchdown, I might have just turned the game off, right? <laughs> just because that would have just been too much That would to have been handle. too much to too much to watch. Yeah, I Exactly. But the other one I want to talk about here, maybe a surprise one who I just don't think had a good game, and that's Tyron Johnson, who ends up getting four catches for 11 yards on six targets. There was a couple of bad – there was at least one bad throw for sure where it looked like Chase Daniel might have thought he was breaking out. He ends up breaking in. Hard to know whose fault that was. It looked like just a really bad throw. But he also had a big drop that didn't help. And all of his targets were really short. And I don't think a lot of that's Tyron Johnson's fault. He's definitely a guy who has to kind of have the threat of going deep on you, right, to really kind of set up the rest of what he does. I don't think the 49ers defense was biting that the Chargers were going to beat them deep in that second half. It was just chaos. So, David, even though this isn't something I'm super concerned about, Having Tyron Johnson out there and not really having a strong game after we're excited to see him, right? And part of that's not his fault. The offense couldn't get anything going down the field. But also just him playing until the last drive of the fourth quarter I thought was strange. Yeah, that definitely was strange to me. But I think that has more to do with him just being away from the complex and kind of you know dealing with some injuries and stuff. And they wanted to get him some more extended playing time because of that. But for Tyron Johnson, I think he's really a guy who needs some time to get going. He's he's not the most twitchy guy. He has just incredible straight line speed though. So when he gets some time to get revved up and, and really, you know, break into his routes and get going down the field, I think that's when he's at his best. And with the offensive line that was in there in this game, it didn't really allow him to do that. They try to get him the ball out in the flats to use that speed, but he, like I said, he doesn't really have that acceleration twitchiness that you're looking for with that type of role. So just the offensive line and the offense, the way it was constructed, was not really conducive for T-Billy to go out there and be who he really is. One of a few times they just had him kind of chilling out in the flats, which just doesn't seem like the right way to use him. And that no. was like another thing in this game, too, which like the offense was just straight bad, right, during this game with a few exceptions, a couple throws here and there from Easton Stick. Something like that. But, I mean, the rest of it was pretty hard to watch, especially the penalties because these two teams, 13 and 12 penalties, one for each team, 25 total penalties in this game. This was a really, really ugly game. Messed up the flow of the game. But offensively, hopefully we're just seeing a vanilla offense right now, right? Because the running game still hasn't gotten going. The offensive line has a lot to do with that. But they're not really taking a lot of shots offensively. It's hard to tell, but I think hopefully, I mean, for me, I just can't wait until we get to see what this offense looks like going full bore with Justin Herbert, because that offense we saw on Sunday was pretty hard to watch. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We appreciate you guys tuning in. 
We'll be back here with the latest Chargers news tomorrow. Maybe get into some stuff we didn't get to get into today from a game where we had a lot of takeaways from. Maybe we'll do some Twitter Tuesday stuff, but a lot to get into for sure. Until then, make sure to follow or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's the new Odyssey app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also rate and review the show on some platforms, and if you could do that for us, we would really appreciate it. And we also post all of the shows to our social media. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports. You can find David on Twitter at DroTalkSD, and you can find the show's Twitter page at LockedOnLAC. We also post the show to Facebook on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page, and you can follow us on Instagram now at LockedOnChargers on Instagram. But we might get into some voicemails this week as well. If you guys want to get your voices on the show and give us your thoughts or questions about the preseason, make sure to call 323-524-7924 because we're trying to get every Chargers voicemail played on this show. But We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.